Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. Get him off, get him off What a whistle and a little dried up bee It's no protection For the things they throw Toilet rolls and bottles Every time I blow Welcome to episode 84 of There's Still Time, the AFTN podcast. I'm Michael McCall. I'm Steve Pander. I'm Zach Meisenheimer of Curva Collective. I'm Jay Duke. And I'm Slamo. And we're back for another round table. We haven't, haven't done a round table for a while. It's been tough for me to get out to the interior here in Langley. But I made the, the long trek today. Feel I'm almost in Alberta. Could be all the cowboy hats, not too sure about that. But we're we're in a pretty pretty good mood after what's been a fairly successful season for Vancouver Whitecaps. But before we look at some of the highs and some of the lows, let's get talking about the elephant in the room. J. Duke. <laughs> He's put on a little bit of weight since his, his Playboy days are over. But no, let's let's look at the. If you the stop game. bringing in Timbits all the time, it wouldn't draw <laughs> yeah, the podcast. Know, it wouldn't like, be such a problem. I kind of kind of feel this this podcast episode has been brought to you by diabetes. We have Timbits everywhere. We've got coffee. We've got candy corn. Got candy corn. Yeah, it's just it's one big party atmosphere. But something that wasn't a party, something which was very depressing, was the playoff defeat to Dallas a week ago. Still hurts. Yeah, it. Uh, the question I have for everybody on that one is: Was it deserved, considering how poorly they played in the first half, or do you think they got robbed because of the, the calls in the second half? Zach. Uh, yeah, I think I think if, we didn't play well in the first half, and I think so. I, I think it shows the character of the team. It shows the. the the quality of our of our coaching staff, how they turn things around at the half, and so I think that I think we were deserving based on on our performance in the second half, and, and worth uh, let's say at least going the extra time, if not if not winning uh, the match outright. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think uh, <clears throat> the first half. I mean, it's a road game, it's playoffs, so you're going to take it cautiously. Maybe you know, maybe you weren't up to the level you should have been or whatnot, but to turn it on in the second half, to hold on in the first half, which is essentially what they did other than one poorly played. Like it wasn't like Dallas was bombarding us. Mm -hmm. We just played poorly, but we still maintained a a solid uh, back line and, you know, they weren't getting a lot of scoring chances. And then the second half to me was pretty dominant. Like you're dominating a, a playoff team in their place, right? So to me, I thought they would, they 
they were the better team overall on the day. What about the calls at the end, Jay? What do you think about those? Well, yeah, I, and I mean, t- t- to add to the point, we're we're I know Dallas was as well, but they're we playing on short rest, and then you add in the travel, and you're playing away, and and so that's kind of to be expected to to go into a place and and be have a bit of a soft start, um, and it was it was a real gut punch to have that kind of call played, and I know. I mean, we'll probably all agree that it it wasn't a penalty. I don't know. Maybe some of you guys think it, it was a penalty. I, I certainly don't, and I, I've heard both sides, and I've tried to remain open. I listened to Jason DeVos blather on about why he thinks it's a... In that it's actually three seconds from the ball, yeah. clearing the two players in front of him. Jason but this is the thing. clearly watching Waston's eyes. And he clearly <laughs> saw and had... That good three one hundredths of a second to react. I would even buy it if he said if it came straight from. And I know it probably didn't even touch Gersh at all. But if it had, Gersh was jumping for the ball, and Waston's looking at it, thinking Gersh is heading this ball away. Yeah. And so it wasn't as if the play came all the way from the end line where he's lining it up the whole time. He's going, oh, Gersh is getting to that ball. There, there he is. It's I'm not going to have yeah. to play this. And then he's moving his hands away. That's the opposite of a of a deliberate handball. That's the exact opposite of it. So it, it doesn't it doesn't wash with me um, at all. And I, I I I also don't agree with the fact that oh you can't call that at that time. It doesn't matter what the time is. Yeah. Doesn't matter what the game is. If it's a handball. Call it a handball. There's nobody around. He's obviously not trying to make contact with the call. It, it was it was a bad call and it was a gut punch in a game that we were playing. You know the, like the only the only team that was going to win was the Whitecaps. The thing to me is if you if you watch a, a match and you take screenshots of the second the split seconds after a foul occurs in the box and you see the player's reaction, you watch Dallas. The ball hits him. Everybody knows it hits him. Waston looks at Geiger. Oh, the two Dallas players in the screen continue playing. Like, neither one of them go, hoo-hoo, until after the whistle blows. And then I think it was Zach and Deli goes like, oh, yeah, it's a penalty, right? So there's none of that, like, hits his hand and everybody yeah. goes, hey, it's a handball. Not, right? not only that, but another thing that was brought up by a few people was, oh, he was, but he was in the right position and he was just so darn decisive. Who cares if you're decisive if you're making yeah. the wrong call? Yeah. If he's People are if, pretty decisive when they commit suicide. Yeah, right? it's like decisiveness. <laughs> who cares? Go take doesn't a minute. Make it right. Why doesn't he take a minute and go over to the assistant referee and he's say, the "Best moron there is. <laughs> <laughs> he's the most decisive moron I've ever seen." Go over and talk to your assistant referee. Go talk to your fourth official. See what they have to say about it. I, I think. Oh, I think one thing I haven't heard talked about yet is how. Uh, the the surface played a role in this. I think that Kendall is so used to playing on our high, our high quality pitch at BC Place that he's used to the ball bouncing in a certain way, and on that atrocious surface in Dallas, yeah, exactly. it bounced That's up. High and, school football, yeah, it bounced, bounced up in an awkward way and, and hit him there. One thing I will say: I know a lot of people are angry at Jason DeVos, and I understand that. I disagree with his perspective on this particular call, but I think 
Uh, he does know a lot about what's going on at our club, and people should probably listen to some of the things he's saying because there's a lot of truth behind what he's saying. But some my, other things. All, my, all my problem is with what it almost seemed like DeVos was trying to backtrack and then couldn't because in the broadcast, right away, he, he goes, he got it right. He got it absolutely right. He got it absolutely right. He was decisive. He was in the right spot. And then a little bit later, like everybody starts to go, and even Wildman goes, yeah, whew, that's pretty controversial. And, yeah. and, he all of a sudden now comes to the, the uh, TSNFC podcast and stuff, and he kind of has to. He's not saying, "Oh, it was the right call again." He's going, "Well, you know, he was decisive. He was in the right spot. He was, you know, that is. I've seen that call most of the time." So that that's a phrase I hate because you can say that for anything. I've seen it called. I've seen that yeah. given, and it's like if you watch enough football, you're going to see everything called. You're going to yeah. see everything given. So you just can't use that as an excuse. For me, yeah. it was never a penalty because his arms aren't out. He's putting them back. Do you feel, though, that if, if, if Kendall hadn't actually moved, if he just like stood still and not quickly pulled his arms away... It might not have been given. I know it's all speculation. No, I, 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 do you think it just looked worse? Because I think it was I mean, the looking at. There's the one yeah. angle yeah, he from looks like Geiger and he looks well. right at him and is like, "Are you really going to be a dick?" And yeah. Geiger's like, "Yep." And that was like, if he didn't, if he didn't look and just kept playing, I agree with you. I agree with you, Goff. That the, that for Geiger, I think, made him felt it was deliberate. Because that's the only way you can interpret yeah, it. Because I mean, he maybe thinks, oh, he's pulled that back, so maybe I didn't actually see it hit the arm, but the fact that he's done that, yeah. I'm not going to make an excuse for a guy because I no, think it no. was a stupid call. And you don't know what would have happened. They could have lost a game in extra time, they could have lost a game in penalties. But to go out after a season that they've done, after a five game stretch that they had to get into the playoffs, to go out like that, it's heartbreaking. It was heartbreaking for the players, too, because if you saw the players after oh, the game, yeah. they yeah. were, like, wrenched out. I, I should say, too, when I watched it the first time, actually, I thought, okay, it's a legit penalty. It wasn't until so I, 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 I watched it a million times on replay. I, I thought I was they like, were okay. calling a foul over with yeah. Gersh and yeah. Perez, or it was Perez, right? That was there? Yeah. I thought they were calling a foul there. El Diablo. The one thing I will agree that, that and I know um, I kind of hammered on DeVos there, but what, like, he and some of the others were talking about after this is, Maybe maybe this isn't necessarily Geiger's fault. Well, it is. But even if you think it wasn't Geiger's fault, maybe this is the rules' fault. Maybe maybe there needs to be a, a better way to deal with a situation like this because you know it's obvious it's obvious that this is not nobody wants to see a game ended in, with such high stakes in the eighty fourth minute or whatever it, it was. With a ball that was completely not dangerous at all, there was no Dallas player within five steps of him, and he was like on the seventeenth of the eighteen yard box, seventeenth yard to of the, the eighteen yard box, facing, the away. Side, facing away with a <clears throat> harmless ball. Nobody want that's how is that punishment for the crime? How is that adequate? Yeah, no, but I mean, like in a sport, like you still need to be like there still needs to be consequences for your mistakes, and if if he had deliberately played it with his hand. Then it's a mistake he made, and yeah. it's, it's a penalty. Yeah. You, you, I mean, the, the whole if the hand was moving to the ball, if the hand was moving to the yeah. ball, then it's definitely a call. But when the hand's moving away from the ball, then it shouldn't be called. One other thing I was going to mention: we we talked about going into the FC Dallas game. Was there a factor talking about the first half and the slow start? Was it a factor? Of maybe they felt like like that run up to the playoffs. They accomplished the playoffs. The, everything was the playoffs. The playoffs. 
Because they accomplished that, was there kind of a letdown in that game at the first half? Do you think that played a part? I don't. I personally don't think that was part of the part of letdown. Like part of, partly the, the reason for our performance in the first half. I think it would have more to do with the travel, the quick turnaround, those kinds of things. I think. I think what you're talking about, uh, Steve, is more. That's more like a, a supporter or fan perspective or whatever. Like. I don't, for all those players, I don't think I don't think there was well, any subconsciously. You don't know. You feel like you've reached a goal. Right? Yeah, and it's hard. Accomplished to... it. We did it. Yeah. Way to go. Yeah, but you, when you listen to a bunch of them talk, they're like, "Yeah, we did this." But now we need to focus on the next goal. Yeah. I, like that's the sense that, I got. From that's them. that's the talk. But whenever you see other other leagues and everything, when you just make the playoffs. That team really has nothing left to spare. But the Whitecaps never looked run yeah. in this run, and they never looked like a team that was just gonna scrape into the playoffs and oh, just they, barely. They did, get... they did fantastic. They've won every, like most of the games and got results in most of the games. But I'm just saying that whole like ex- expenditure of energy. Maybe and they just that had nothing left. The only thing is yeah. that at the the end of the game, uh, the end of the game against Colorado when. Kendall Waston put in the header. That was that was a playoff moment. That's yeah. a playoff game. Yeah. That was. I mean, the emotions would have just been absolutely enormous at that time. So would there be like like you say, a, some subconscious effect, a little bit of drain on that adrenaline reserve that you have? Uh, maybe, but I think it's more to do with the the travel and the and the quick turnaround time, and which yeah. is why that slow start sort of happened. But do you feel he put the right team out there? Like if it turned out now that Pedro was injured, should he even have started if he if he had that injury? I know he's been talismanic this year, and it's like if and he doesn't play, the team doesn't play. You have to wonder the psychological effect. Yes. Though. Like, what would the team be thinking? Like, are they going to walk out there going, "Oh man, we've lost our uh, guy"? Right? Like, is it going to have that impact? I think you have to. Even but then if it's you know been he's off, go they started minutes, to click. Maybe they should have something else. That's true. Yeah. But but. It also had to do with how the first half went because he did get kicked all over the park. Oh yeah, you know. True. So, so I think that whatever he, he started what, to say that on Monday actually, and then yes. changed what he was, was going to talk about what Castillo had done to him, and then in, in his brain he must have thought, yeah, I won't even go down that, and he kind of changed the subject. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but so I think that whatever state he came to the game in, I think that first half, uh, his ability to to play to his highest level was. Heavily impacted by the way he got kicked all over the field. So the last thing I want to say about the Dallas game is I've given Ethan Sampson a lot of stick this season. I didn't think he was at MLS quality. My head's up there too. Yeah. Wait, is this a moment of repentance? Or? Yeah. No, just for no, this I'm game. Just for this game, just, I'll give him a pass. Uh, possibly, mentioned but that. I didn't. I don't remember that. I, th- I remember. It. <laughs> I thought. I thought he was excellent. Like to come in to not have played for for weeks. And then to months. come into yeah, months. possibly months, <laughs> and to come into that environment, I thought they would take the risk and put Harvey on the right and start Sam on the left. And when I saw the lineup, I was like, "Oh, geez, he was fantastic." And we're going to record a couple of podcasts tonight, and one of the things we're going to look at is who we well, should keep and who we shouldn't. Out a but, couple times too, I wouldn't yeah. go fantastic. He played really he was solidly. Solid. Yes. He played, and he, he was. Playing against a player who should be turning. Yeah, but Castillo only beat him really badly I think he twice. Can, twice. I, one I, time I, he cut it inside, and then uh, somebody blocked it. Based but, on Betashore's play too this year, I think he might have turned Betashore in a couple he, he would, times. And yeah, he certainly would have turned yeah. Harvey on his yeah. off wing as yeah. well. So yeah, absolutely, there, there's not you didn't lose anything by putting no, Ethan no, Sampson no. in. And I, that's I I certainly thought when that came, I would have no questions asked. Put Sam on the left. 
and put Harvey in on the right and said, yeah. well, you know, an, an, an off-wing Harvey is better than, you know, an on-wing Samson. And, yep. man, I was, I was totally wrong. I, I, I thought that that wouldn't have worked at all. Well, and nobody's going to be scared next year going into CCL with Samson and Sam yeah, starting no. against someone from Pisa. Costa Rica, right? Honduras. Yeah. Whatever, yeah. I, I think the the bigger flub was was putting Gershon and uh, as, out? Yeah. as much as I love Gershon and I do think that he's the better player at that role and I think he's the better tactical player for that game, you can't take a guy out who is so in form as Russell was before coming into that game and put in a guy who's just come off a long foot injury. That that's a tough thing to do. Yeah. One one last one last thing. I was I've been thinking about this game and our two attempts at making a run for the MLS Cup. Well, how did you feel um Okay, if you compare this game to the LA game, I know everyone's like, yeah. everyone's like, okay, yeah, we the both the penalties we lost on, we, I, 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 I felt heartbroken for Martin Bourgeur for just extending his arm and Landon Donovan falling down when he did that in that game. But those games themselves, the games, I know, I think, like Steve, you said, I feel like better about our performance against oh, yeah, Dallas. Sure. But I almost feel like with that double chance that we missed against LA, yeah. the quality of chances we actually had in that LA game. Were a little bit overall higher than the actual quality of chances yeah, no. we had versus that, that might be true. Rosales is off the crossbar. The that was pass a, that, from Rosales Mane, was a free kick. That Fernandez just missed sliding in on the cross there. Mane's shot from the left side that just missed the outside. But the fact now you're getting into facts. But those, <laughs> no, 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 okay, so so Rosales is a free kick. Sure, you know, the, watch the, the, the play. Mane comes in down the end line and cuts it in. Fernandez, right when you talk about the box. turf, yeah. Fernandez's right foot gets caught in the yeah. grass. That's the difference in that game. Like, right he, he, he slides he, in. He he that ball that's ball more in. of like that's more of like a half chance. No, and, no that's, and, that's a good line. But the problem is when he sees Rosales, he only sees green. That's all he sees. <laughs> that is true. That's the only chance no. we had in LA other than the goal. We had two chances. And we, we, had, we had a double they, chance. It was the great career. The ginger ginger had the chance to put. And Kenny missed the follow up. Oh, and, yeah, that's the one and we're talking about. Yeah, and then they didn't come back. Well, it's a chance, but it's that. just that one if they scored the first. The difference is, though, in that game is that LA was absolutely mopping the floor with us. Yeah, and true. that wasn't yes, the true. case in Dallas. True. Yeah. When we know. scored in LA, it was like, please, please hold on. Yeah. Even when Dallas scored the first goal, it was like, don't worry about Even it. Even when they scored the second, I, I thought we yeah. were going to get. Yeah. I really thought we were going to get yeah. an equalizer. But Steve, then, Steve, you need a sub. Time just running. So. Time's run out in this part of the, this segment as well, so enough about the Dallas game. Before we talk anymore, we're going to play you some audio from training on Monday. The Whitecats players did their final testing on Monday, and then they've all had their exit interviews this week. So a lot of the interviews are up on the Whitecaps website. You can hear from Pedro Morales, Carl Robinson, Jordan Harvey, and Andy O'Brien. Um, but I had a couple of chats with some of the other journalists with some of the guys I want to play two interviews just now one with Sebastian Fernandez and one with Darren Mattix two strikers who knows if either or both of them are going to be here <coughs> not Mattix but let, let's just see what the guys had to say so here's Seba and Darren So 
So, Seba, how have you found your first season in Major League Soccer? Uh, I think it was, was a, a great season for us. Um, we had uh, a good tournament, but uh, I think uh, the last game, you know, uh, maybe we we can can won that match, but uh, a little little decision of the referee take us off. And, but but for, was a, a great season. I think uh, we did uh, every game. Uh, we worked hard and gave everything. And that's it. I think the, the next year will be better for us, for the team. For you personally, how do you feel you have adjusted to the league? Uh, I feel I feel good. Uh, it's a very physical league. Uh, all all team play play well. Uh, uh, every team try to play a, a strong team. Uh, every team are strong, uh, but I think I I did well. Uh, I try to 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 give everything that I have, and I think it was a, a positive year for me. How does the level of play compare to the leagues that you've played in before? Is it better? Yes, it's it's not better. Um, uh, it's different, you know. Uh, in Mexico, uh, the football is more slow uh, than here, but but it's not better ni, or, or worse. It's different. Here, I think it's is uh, similar to English football. More physically, you know, more tackles, uh, but but it's good. I like I like the this league. I think it's one of the best in in, in the world right now. You're on a one-year loan, Seba. Do you do you want to be back next season? Yeah, I would like be be here on the next season. Uh, I like the um, come here the, the same team, you know, the same group because we. We had a, a great time here. Uh, uh, I have friends in the locker room, and I would like come back and they're here. But it's not depend of of me, you know. Do you, do you think you could come back on another loan? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I think I I I can come back, but it's not depend of me. Uh, my manager will talk with the with the with the club and and after. We will see what happens. What are your thoughts on the overall season for Vancouver? Um, definitely brought the club forward one step to where everyone wants to take this club. So I would say it's a good season. And your overall opinion of your play this year? You know, I'm, I always think I'm, I could be better, you know, regardless of what. Mm-hmm. Would you like to be back next year? I love Vancouver. Pardon? I love Vancouver. So yes? Yeah. All right. There's obviously a lot of speculation with the expansion draft coming up about who they'll protect and who they won't. Um, are, are you concerned about that? Are you concerned about potentially being exposed? <laughs> As what you said, speculation. That's all it is. Yeah. That's all it is. I, I, you haven't talked to them. About, you haven't had your exit interview yet or anything. Um. We have no idea yet, uh, but like, and I, as you said, it's speculation. Yeah, so I'm not going to worry about people speculating. What would you like to work on for next year? Always can work on stuff. I mean, movement, 
finishing everything you know like even if I scored a, a bunch of goals this season I'm um, scoring movement up, up all those stuff you know a player needs to work on to get better over the time do you think a change of scenery would help your career come again do you think a change of scenery perhaps a new team would help your career Vancouver's a great city I love Vancouver I love playing in the city okay, you had the, the run earlier in the year you three three and four games three goals and four and you, you were feeling great and then you had the little injury how much do you think that affected you here this year? I mean, sometimes injury can take you a while to get back, to get back in, um, to get back to full fitness. You know? And at the same time, Eric was doing good, you know. At the end of the day, it's a team effort. Are you going to beat Eric and Kakuda in the exit testing here? I mean, we were in separate groups, you know, so hopefully they don't beat me. <laughs> You've had three seasons now in Major League Soccer. How have you found your time in the league? Um, I'm adapting. It's good. You know, um, I'm always going to adapt. So next season is going to be the same thing. Keep getting better. Try the best to help the team move forward. What, what's been the biggest challenge you've found moving from the college ranks to, to moving into the pro ranks? Um, it's tough because, like, you know, I'm getting chances um, wherever I play, you know. So I just, I would say, more consistent finishing. That's that's pretty much it. But as I said, if, if I scored a bunch of goals this season, finishes is something that um, every um, striker needs to work on. Based on the personnel that was here this year, Dan, it seemed like four-two-three-one was the, the better setup for this team. But do, do you feel like you're more suited to, to playing with a strike partner? Um, it's tricky. You know, I mean, I played with one strike partner and I did well. I played with two and I did well. And so whatever system is in place, and you just got to give your best effort. Headed home to Jamaica for a little while, or after? Um, let's see. You know, I'm not sure is it, but let's see what happens. Any plans for any Jamaican TV interviews? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a good one. <laughs> So that was Darren Maddox, and for the one thing we can definitely agree on, that he loves Vancouver. But will he be back this year? But let's before we talk about who's coming and who's going back, you guys, what based on what the season looked like, it was gonna ha- what was gonna occur at the beginning of the season to now. What are your overall thoughts on the season? Was it a success? Was it what you expected, or was it a failure? I'm, I'm disappointed that we did not win the Voyagers Cup. Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, overall, overall, yeah, I think the season. It's hard not. It's hard not to feel good about the season. It's not like other seasons where we've had like a not a super great ending. Like the team goes out on a super great note. Like you know, like Jay already said, like the Colorado match was this super massive high. So it's hard not to, in some ways, still be riding that high. Um, I, I, I honestly, though, I, I think a failure, a failure to win the Voyagers Cup is still like something that really, really bothers me because it's it's just a trophy it's the best club in our country it's the qualification to the Champions League all, like all these things and like one of the things that bugs me about it is like the, people are like and, and, and I've had a conversation with a person about this but people are so like oh it was uh, you know it was so great that we got playing minutes for the young young players and they, they did okay but like people when you stop and analyze that it was a win-win situation for them you play the you play the young players, and they we don't go through, and it's like 
oh, look, we're developing players. Look, they this player played well or that player played well. Or they all played well, which I think most people say in general, virtually all of them played really well. If they win... Then you look like geniuses, and you look like you're, you know, you're so smart, and 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 you gave them minutes and stuff. So, so what's what's wrong with that? How how is this bad? How is it bad? I think because I think had we, and I love some of those players that got minutes, but had we played uh, more of our first team, I think we we could have easily won the Voyagers Cup this year. Easily. The only point I'll I'll make to that, and I don't necessarily disagree with you because I think this con- continual losing of the Voyagers Cup in different ways. Is one of the most frustrating things, but let's say let's say we win the Voyagers Cup, but because of playing our first teamers, we dropped I don't know three points overall in in those games around the Voyagers Cup. Cup a win turns into a draw, a draw turns into a loss. Now we've missed the playoffs. Maybe one of, maybe we didn't get enough points to win the Cascadia Cup. So all you have is the the Voyagers Cup now, and you don't have the Cascadia Cup, and you don't have the playoffs. Yeah, but, so he prior Robinson and the and the club prioritized how they how they wanted it to go. They said this is our best chance of bringing home a whole bunch of of trophies is to do it this way. And they fell short on the Voyagers Cup, but they bled in some guys who they needed to use later. Yeah, and, but and the thing on I, I want to mention one thing about the Voyagers Cup, like that one too. You were talking about the FC Dallas game. I still think we got robbed of that. Yes. That one goal oh, yeah. that was Carducci, scored, that was yeah, a foul. that was a uh, foul, absolutely, and 100 percent foul too. Was that was that that uh, Cypress player, Daniel Henry, who made the foul? No, uh, was it? Well, he scored the goal. I don't know if he made the foul. No, I think it was something like Powell or something. Like the guy's name is. But just but, to also go with what Jay said, there's a good chance that in a Champions League campaign, then we would have lost points as well. Okay, so here's the thing about both what you're both saying. That's one end of the spectrum. Okay, we okay we 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 win and so whatever we play to first team players, they're tired. We lose another game, but there's also the other side of that. You win the Voyagers Cup. Yeah. You are Canada's champion, and you yes. have a you have a huge boost. Even a you have a huge bo- boost of morale. You have Champions League, which bring allocation, which they would have for sure signed players. Yeah, they would. Have they would for sure have signed players. No, no, yes, no, they would have. No, because yes, they would have. <laughs> the White Caps did not get. Camillo's allocation money through. No, they would have got allocation money for the July. Champions League. Yeah, but no, they didn't get Camillo's money through until July, so that hasn't been spent. So even if they'd got more money for qualifying, they still wouldn't have spent it because they had money to spend that they didn't spend in July. But, but wow. regardless, they would have had money to spend. They, they had money to spend. Yeah, they didn't spend about, it. Yeah, but, and okay, so that but that's a whole other issue, Goff. That's the, that's the issue around them feeling burnt in the past in the mid in the mid season window and just. Laying down a ridiculous flat out policy saying we are not signing anyone because we haven't done well in the past, well, no, which was asinine. They couldn't get the right player. No, th- no, that's that's not the truth, and you know it. That's not the truth. But they okay. did go out and pick up Kendall Waston. So they, they no, but Waston, but Waston was part of that whole. Waston was a part of that whole thing where they he was signed. He was coming for free in January. He won't, the only reason they brought him now was because of the merit because yeah. of the merit going down. They said okay, we'll pay and we'll bring him now. But they also brought in more of Rosales as well. Yeah, and, and that and was a like, big the, the, the attack and everything that helped. And you, you can't not love Mauro. Going no. on, going on. Um, other ahead, things go about ahead, Zach. Go ahead. I appreciate uh, what Mauro has brought to our team on the pitch, but I have a serious problem with uh, our where our culture's at uh, in terms of just like if you want if you want if you want supporter culture to develop, you need certain things to take hold within. 
with within your within you with your supporters. And I think we have shown uh, our are the people some most people at the club don't care about that and so that that to me that's a problem and so for supporters to stand up and say yeah we for example we don't want players who have played for club x or club y i think is an acceptable thing i think this is how football so works what, around the world so what you're saying is that you can't make you can can't make blanket policies about stuff like bringing in players mid-season but you can make blanket <laughs> policies about signing players from rival teams That's acceptable. Uh, I'm saying that blanket policies, uh, depending on the issue, yes. I think to say that I think to say that blanket policies so are anything. A, I'm there's not saying, a gray area. No, I'm saying, saying. I'm, saying you're, I'm saying you're talking apples and oranges. That's, that's very very different. Well, I lost all credibility on that when Labo became uh, available because I totally wanted Labo to sign here when he would. So how do you feel about Matthias Labo? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. He doesn't, I, he doesn't I don't have a TFC right. I, I don't have the hate for TFC. You're such a plastic supporter. Well, he is. I'm from Ontario. He's a TFC fan. I'm from Ontario, so yeah. Honestly, it is hard to hate TFC, right? Because <laughs> they're so I mean, that's true. So, this is so, so bad. Kind of but no, no. But seriously, I, I that's Seattle, like hating the town jester. Like, how do you? you try like, to hate yeah, them he's from weird. Those MLS Swan Guard days, you know, and they were big bad MLS, and that was fun. Yeah, Seattle, is, Seattle is our biggest rival. Whether people want to agree with that or not, they are our biggest rival. Seattle? Yes. I don't know. I would argue Portland and Montreal. Based no. on a longer USL, yeah, for you, for you, for people from the USL, yes, of course. When we were playing Montreal seven, eight, nine times a year, and Portland like four, five, six times a year, yeah, they were. Yeah. But I would say, I'd say, historic, historic, historically, and in this four-year window of MLS, that Seattle yeah. is by far the sure. So say, Will Johnson wants to come back to play in Canada and end his days in Canada, and wants to come and join the Whitecaps. Would you Why would he come back to a foreign country and play want to play in the What about Darlington Nagby then? Let's just let's just say he doesn't care about his green card anymore. And Wait, uh, again, you know the truth. You've already reported the truth of that story and that had nothing to do with Darlington Nagby's feelings. Would you welcome a PR. Portland player, is what I'm trying to say. And why M- then, more so than a Seattle player, sure. If you feel like this, why then are you such a supporter of Michael Nanchov going to play for a rival team? Um, yeah. What if one of our players went to play for Seattle? Would let's say Christian Dean went to play for Seattle? Would you cheer him on? Uh, as a like, yeah. I, I, to me, Seattle and Portland are different. First off, and so yeah, for, and 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 I think off. I think you know it's different. It's different for him being here first and then going there. No, I like that's a Portland. Love that's a that's a. That's a there's a massive. I have a big problem with this Portland love in general. <laughs> yeah. The whole no. Vancouver Southside uh, Timber Army stuff. I'm not opposed to this, man. They're, they're the great unwashed. They, yeah, it's like they, a patchouli mushroom smell. They stink. They think they have the best beer in the world, Seriously, and yeah. it's like just mediocre. They, they, you know, they queue up for they two line up days. For donuts. Yeah, well, I do, I, I do that. I can't really <laughs> criticize them for that. Um, but they line up for two days to get into a game. That's not. They're not right in the head. That's no. just not normal behavior. They, yeah. Admittedly, none of them work, so they, yeah. they can do that. They do also have the highest per capita of strip joints in North America. Yeah, but have you found so? And they, they filmed well, them there. This is. I, I was scared <laughs> away by some of the photos. Off the street. That's <laughs> yeah. how they solve their homeless problem. Oh, you're a stripper yeah. now. <laughs> <laughs> no, but there to me, there's a difference between Seattle and Portland. 
Uh, Why so, is that? I need to know. I, 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 I do hate Seattle more. I think more. we should talk that on a round table. Okay, let's, want to keep let's going? Let's keep going okay. this, just for a couple of minutes. I hate Seattle more. Mm-hmm. I agree. Just Seattle, because yeah. of the... But then, like when I first moved over here, I was told about the hate between Vancouver and Portland because apparently they used to play in Celtic strips and they thought they were the dog's bollocks because they, they had this on all the support. But now... People are saying that about Seattle, that they think they're better than everyone. They invented soccer. They invented never having won anything apart from this season. And Don't I, worry, they'll screw it up again, too. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I don't know. I, I hate Seattle more, and I think it is because they're closer to us and just because they have a bigger fan base. Yeah. <laughs> but, but you're chumming, you're chumming with the ECS because you, you've no, been no, in... No, no. You've no. cheered games on with the ECS. Uh, no, I have oh. not. I've never cheered oh, games it's on. Getting weird. <laughs> I've never cheered games on. You've been in bed with the ECS. <laughs> no, but um, well, they were pleased with him when he took he took the Voyagers Cup on a tour of Seattle. No, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Cascadia Cup. <laughs> Huh? Cascadia oh, Coast. Cascadia Coast. Yeah, we've never won the Voyager. Just, sorry. just, just poke um, him some more with that. <laughs> no, I, for me, yeah, of course. I, I think you, this is all supporter culture stuff, but I think it comes back to like, for me, I, wanting to understand North American supporter culture and stuff. Yeah, I've experienced different things in different cities so that it's not just, oh, someone said on the internet they do it this way and therefore it must be, must be right. We have problems in Vancouver. Because people have just said, oh, this is what I think happened over here. Therefore, we're going to do this. And those things were not even based on fact. They were based on people's perceptions, which were dead wrong. And so for me, yeah, I've hung out with people in Portland. I've hung out with people in Seattle. I've hung out with people in Toronto. I've hung out with people in Montreal. I even took in, my, my family even took in a match at the back of the 1906 Ultras once in San, in San Jose. Um, my, I, I like those guys. My kids loved it. Um, I think they put on one of the best atmospheres in MLS I know they get a bad rep and they do they yeah. might be beat folk up randomly in the street but take that aside no but so for me so for me <laughs> all the criminal stuff yeah. aside they're not bad people yeah. no but so for, so for me the songs were catchy they, they do have a lot of good songs um, so for me uh, no I think you like you, you for me I, I, I have a relationship with some of these people and because I want to understand where things are at in different places and know you know, know what I want to be a part of and how I can help Vancouver supporter culture grow and move forward in what I feel are meaningful and quality ways. And so, I mean, that's why Curva Collective exists. Like, you know, I, I don't know. But, I, but, I just think there should be more hate. No, no. You should hate everyone. But there is, there is hate. Like, there, there is, there, there is a level of respect. Two for, hours before the game, through the game, and however buffer time after the game till everybody can simmer down. That should be. Pure hatred. Yeah, yeah. and I, and I, like I, so. Yeah, I'm not for like, hey, let's all hang out at a pub. To, like all the groups officially hang out at the pubs together, or whatever. I'm okay. Like, yeah, I'll go connect with the, yeah. I'll go to the railway club after Portland's here to connect with some people I have a friendship with. But I'm not like, hey, great game, you guys really, you know, thanks for taking away three points, and really glad you're here. No, it's like, it's good to see you, but I hate your team, and I'm really just really angry at what has happened. You know what the for me what the best part of Mauro Rosales being <clears throat> rave green for however many what was it three years three years yeah. three years 
moves to Chivas, comes back here. If we had won that game, as we should have in Dallas, and then for him to go down and score the clinching goal to push us through and to kiss the badge and salute the fans in the I don't corner. Think I kissed the no, okay, he probably wouldn't know. But that would have felt even better for me as a fan. Like, this yeah. guy used no, to be Seattle, no. and now he's stuck a knife in you. Not at all. I would have liked like, that. Mar- Mar- Alice is, like, is on record as saying, like, like Seattle is my club till I die, kind of thing. So, like, do I want, do I want players like that in Vancouver? I think that was ideally not. Slightly out of context. I, no, I don't think at all. It is out of context. Yeah, he was supposed to go back to Argentina and said, "Yeah, no, I, I this is my home. I feel so welcome." Yeah, yeah. which I know it was probably with the job, probably what he probably needs to say about but, Vancouver. Though. Yeah. Well, yeah, I don't think he said quite that much about Vancouver, but but it's, it's talking about like what are what are, do we. You, we always talk about identity when we get together, right? And so do we want our club to have an identity? Mm-hmm. Well, when you bring in USL era sounders like Sebastian Latou for a cup of coffee here and you bring in like one of, you know... It, like, the only thing I would say to that though is that Rosales fits the identity that, that you I want. want. Yes. And what right. he has okay, done... Okay, I'll give you that. What he's yeah. done with the youngsters has, has been fantastic. But yeah. enough of that. Let's get back to your thoughts on the season. So, Jay... <laughs> But how do you look at the season? We, we got the playoffs. We got the Cascadia Cup. We clinched our Champions League spot next year. Who needs It's this? a virtual Voyager's yeah, Cup. Yeah, it's, it's not the actual, an actual Voyager's Cup. But it's like you're holding it. And the best thing about that is Ben Massey doesn't have to walk out and present it to us. So we don't have to see his ugly face at all. We have to see it on TSN once in a while. Though. That's right. On the True. The face True. of Canadians women's national team soccer. True. Ben's a nice guy. Yeah. I agree. I, I thought it was the Special Olympics he was advertising to start with, but oh, turns out it was the it was the women's soccer. So, do, do you class that as a successful season? Here, here's the thing that I, if you had gone, take it into perspective a little bit, and take it back to, to day one of the season, we had, uh, and even before we had lost, uh, had signed Pedro Morales and and Matias Laba. Everybody was predicting, even even us uh, us. Fans who were like, well, I really hope, you know, Darren Maddox turns it around. We were all predicting an, a catastrophe and that this was going to, Camilo's left us. We got this, you know, young coach is going to be all these learning curve, this learning curve for him. It's going to be so tough. And look what happened. Now, was losing the Voyager's Cup disappointing? Yeah, it was. But that, that wound is filled pretty quickly when you get into the playoffs Play well in the playoffs, win the Cascadia Cup, win some some very big matches in there. And the most important point, I think, is that that for once it seems like Robbo has a vision and a direction. And it seems like he knows what he's doing. And he's not just thinking about what's going to happen in the next three months or six months or one year. He's thinking about things a lot longer term. These young kids are getting in. They're they're playing. They're playing well. They've all. They're all confident. They're all. Everybody's everybody's pulling in the same direction. And I think that's way different than than has been uh, since the Whitecaps have joined the MLS. Yeah. The one thing I like about what this season is Robinson has been successful on the pitch, and I think he's also been like he's dealt with players better. Like I'll use an example of Kenny Miller. Kenny Miller wanted to go back to Scotland. He made that happen for him. Despite, you know, it would have helped if he could have convinced him Kenny Miller to stay here. Nigel Rio Coker seemed like he wanted out of Vancouver. He got him to California and brought more Rosales in there. 
Omar Salgado's dick, he got him out of Vancouver. So in that like those three examples, there's probably other things too. But he's done it, but he's done it on his terms, where he's not, he's not, he hasn't, you know, ruined the clubhouse or anything in, in, in achieving goals. I think I think I agree with you. I think I think part of Robbo's success, I think Robbo's success for me comes with two things. One is he was here for two years before this as an assistant coach, and he got to understand the club and how it functions, both for the better and for the worse. Uh, and he, so he got to understand that at least on, at some level. And, and two, he uh, is an incredibly honest fellow. And I think, and I'm not saying our other managers have him because I would say the same of Martin Rennie and Tater, actually. Um, whether or not, whether or not. so sure about Martin. Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. know about that either. Well, yeah, okay. Sneak oil. Okay, yeah, we'll differ in the movie and I can talk about that some other time. Um, uh, but there was also then the other thing, the other piece maybe to that is also how he communicated. And I think this goes back to actually to his understanding of how our club functions. Is he yeah. owned the decisions he made and let people know he was making decisions. So, for example, both Martin Rennie and I think Tater were both guys like, were we guys? We as a club have done this. We of the club has done that. Whereas when you listen to Robbo talk, Robbo says, I did this and I did that. And usually I would say, you know, I'm a part of a movement that's called the collective. Usually I'd rather it's saying we are doing this and we did that and whatever. But based on our club culture, I think he did something very smart by saying, I have done this and I have yeah. done that. So therefore he's accountable for the things that he did and things he didn't do. Whereas previous people were held accountable for things that were not their, not necessarily all their decision. And, no. and not only that, but the guy's got brass balls to be able to pull off some of the stuff that he's done playing the kid putting in putting in some of the players like Keon's froze putting him in in oh, Seattle yeah. putting in putting in uh Ethan Sampson in the playoff game like it it was way easier just to go well Harvey did okay on the right side Sam looked good let's just do that that's a little safer he did same thing with Kofi I think he still got it wrong with Kofi but he said let's swing for the fences let's do it and he's gone out there and he's been aggressive and he's been rewarded for it. And he, the thing is with him, like you were saying too, Zach, that the way he talks about it, he's taking responsibility mm -hmm. if something goes wrong. But in all most, you know, all his post game, whenever something goes right, he's always ready to praise the players. Mm -hmm. the, he'll rarely ever throw the players under the bus, especially individually. He'll never do that. He'll, he'll collectively maybe, but not individually. So it's it's a big positive, and he, and he's straightforward too. He won't. You know, mince words or anything when he's talking, he won't spin stuff and start talking about how great the crowd was or anything like that in a loss or whatever. And Salamo, how would you sum up the season? Well, it's hard to see it in any negative light when you think, you know, it started with what Camilo, John Furlong counter suing and suing and whatever, and uh, Andre, uh, Andre Lewis being drafted, and you know, it was a gong show, right? You know, I mean, uh, it was just a terrible start and to jump in and go, okay, you know, you're not starting from ground zero here, right? You're starting in a giant hole. And that's what, that's what Robo faced, right? That's day one. Welcome to the job. And he pulled it out of that. And I think, yeah, everything from that moment forward, from the moment of coming back from Mexico and going, this isn't happening. From that moment forward, everything was gold, right? Like, did he put a step wrong after that? I don't, I don't recall one. So I think it's a, it's a huge success, and it sets up uh, it sets up the future well, right? 
and you know, like everybody, there's, there's no hope, right? There's confidence. There's no hope right now. There's actual confidence that something really good is going to happen in the off season. They're going to bring in a couple guys to score goals and we're going to be uh, competing for the top of the West. I actually saw Hope last night. She was in court on TV. <laughs> <laughs> oh, did you get the, the pictures that I, that I sent you there off her yeah. the leaked iCloud? Yeah, that was, yeah they okay. were really good. So, uh, quick I like qu- the Jennifer Lawrence ones as well. Mm-hmm. So, quick question, just a, a straw poll. We did a, awards on the AFTN, and MVP was like kind of split right down the middle. Player of the year, yeah. MVP so American. Yeah, so whatever. Player of the okay, player P O Y, player of the year. Poi. Poi. Who's your Poi? Stop yeah. being so Poi. Uh, so uh, Jay, me, Michael have already discussed Zach. Who do you think it is, Pedro or Lava? Quickly. Pedro or Lava? Uh, Why no. do I always say quickly to Zach? Yeah. Go ahead. Zach. Twenty minutes later. No, I. I, I it's hard it's hard to say that to me they're interconnected so much because you have what the things that Matthias does pick one Matthias, <laughs> the things that Matthias did enabled uh, Pedro to do what he did and so I think it's fair to say that yeah I, I, I my heart wants to say Matthias but I think I think my head wants to say Pedro so, so. I'm going to agree because I think it's it's not a, a huge drop Losing Matias, I'm not saying it isn't a drop, and it is, and it would have a huge impact on the team because, because of what he brings to the team. Yeah. But losing Pedro and replacing him with who at the time, because you think Rosales is just here at the ending. So who are you placing replacing Pedro with, right? So I say, you know, if you play uh, Gersh instead of Matias, it's, it's not huge. It's it's significant, but not huge. You play. I don't know, Hurtado instead of Morales. Mosquita. Yeah. Mosquita instead of Morales. You know, that's a huge... That's, a that's, a, that's an organizational fault, though. That's I mean, that's not Matias Lava's fault. on what we have and the way the team's set up, I have to say, Pedro. And he, like I said, he contributed for more than 50% of the goals. It was in on him, yeah. assist-wise, goal-wise. And with not a true striker, that's pretty big for yeah. like a creative editor. How, how did Predictable Pooch choose Pedro Morales? Uh, balls. Milk balls. Balls. Always balls. So Always that balls. was those were a couple. I I personally went for Lava just because I thought he was more consistent over the course of this season. Just my quick thoughts on like the overall season. When I turned up at training camp the last week of January, it was scary because it was all these residency guys. It was Mitch Perot who who's excelled this year and he'll be good to watch next year. And Bustos and Froze and Sam and Adam Mena was there and all these draft picks that we were allowed to have there were there. And the folk that had passports and visas, those guys were there. And it, you looked around and you're like, geez, this looks scary. You've got Tubby Nigel running around looking like so overweight and you're just thinking, this is going to be a season from hell. Um, it's just been fantastic. And I think to do it, that they won something or they achieved something for three weeks in a row, Cascadia mm. Cup, Champions League spot, and then playoffs... That was just one of the best ends to a season I've ever had watching football. So that's all for our brief thoughts on the season. We'll have more of that in, in next week's podcast. So those uh, Player of the Year questions were just little warm-ups for our next segment, which is going to be... 30 Seconds to Mars!
So for anyone that hasn't heard the podcast before, I'm not quite sure what's wrong with you, but we'll explain what 36 to Mars is. This is our special quiz show element where the winners can actually win a Mars bar. We're going to ask them three questions this podcast, three next podcast. Whoever gets the most points, as judged by me, is making the most sense. So basically you have to agree with me. Um, we'll get a point. Whoever gets the most points at the end will win the coveted Mars bar. Now, budget has been cut a little bit on the podcast. Instead of a king-size Mars bar, we've just got a little fun-size mini. So we're going to ask three... Silence. <laughs> so we're going to ask three questions. Steve will ask the questions. I will do the scoring. You have 30 seconds and 30 seconds only. We will cut you off. Zach, I'm looking at you. And question one. And, and just a reminder, you said a point per question. It's actually... Mul- you get multiple well, yeah, points per question. Like however, however many decent points you make, I will reward some points. Yeah. What, what, do we have a good ding I, this time? I don't or? have a ding because it seems to really mess up my, my stuff. So. Can you fix it in post or something like that? I, no. In post. Yeah, in post. But then they can't, they can't hear your fingers, though. No. Yeah. I, I'll, I'll, do, I'll make some noise. You'll, you'll know. Can you make an individual noise for each one yeah, of us? I, I will like do an animal impressions. Do any request for animal you would be. Why don't you pick the animal that's most like us? Oh, jeez. And that's the noise you make for each one. And surprise us. Okay. That, that, that sounds fun. No, make sure you don't get distracted by the noises because you only have I'm just wondering seconds. if you know what a hippo sounds like. That's my question. <laughs> I think that's close. That's close enough. Okay, right. so first question. And the starting off will be Jay. Oh, God, I hate starting off. Well, everybody's going to have a turn to start off. I know, it's just I'm under pressure. So, the best in-season acquisition and your options are Kendall Waston. You can stop there. Mauro Rosales. Or is it addition by subtraction of Omar Salgado? Cool. Uh, I mean... Morrow was was great. He he did some amazing things for the club as far as organizing our attack uh, and and leadership of of the the young players, providing some creativity when Pedro wasn't on his game. However, it's got to be Kendall Waston. Even with the goals, the goals that he scored. The timely goals that he scored from a place that we've never been had any success at at, at set pieces. And he's been that that physical presence in the def- in the at the end uh, in defense that we haven't seen in MLS. Mm. Give him word after the third second. Well, you let him talk. She's going to get it. So that was seven points for Jay. So for the other two, if you just as a little note, if you do praise Myra Rosales, you will get points. Why don't you so, give me the heads up? Well, you we, clue, we clue in when he first you yeah. said his name. And you're, yeah, I, I could just say Moral Rosales, Moral Rosales, Moral Rosales. <laughs> <laughs> so, Slavo, same question to you. Okay, well, I'm going to use the same uh, theory I used with uh, Pedro and uh, what's his name in the other question. So, I'm going to say that it's Moral Rosales because Kendall Waston is less of a drop off for Johnny Leveron, whereas Rosales changed the whole organization of the team, the way they moved defensively, the shape they kept. So should I be saying Moro more often? This seems like good points to me. (laughs) (laughs) Moro created a a chance for offense that was based on hope prior to his arrival. So that's a big point for me. And four points there for Slavo. And that was meant to be a snake just because of this. What was mine? A manatee or something? No, that was your hippo. You wanted a hippo. 
I didn't request okay. it. So, Zach, question for you. I, I have to say that it's Kendall Waston. Although, <laughs> although, although Mauro Rosales did make some positive contributions to our side. <laughs> Uh, no, K- Kendall Waston, uh, I think the third of the season he was here for roughly, uh, he brought yeah a new dimension to our back line. Uh, we were dominant in the air in a way that we haven't been before, even with Andy and, and Mitch and, other, uh, and, and Jay and Johnny at their best. Um, I think that uh, this idea that we have a possibility of scoring from a corner uh, was incredibly amazing. Um, the way he played Seattle away to help us win the Cascadia Cup was just immense. And for me, it was a reminder of 2008. Uh, <laughs> I'm out? That was out of time? That was six points, bizarrely, for not really mentioning Mauro. And that was meant to be a bald eagle. <laughs> Is that what it was? Oh, that's good. Yeah. So, okay, so question two. This time Salama will be starting. And for this time I will score by making the noises of fruit. Noise of a fruit. <laughs> <laughs> so Slambo, question to you. Who we talked about the biggest in-season addition. Who's the biggest in-season loss for in-season roster-wise? Loss. Your options are Jay Demerit, Kenny Miller, and the bike jerker, Nigel Rio Okay, well, I gotta go with Kenny Miller because he's Scottish and so is Michael. <laughs> no, seriously, Kenny was. Uh, I think if we had Kenny the whole season long, we he would have mentored the younger guys a little bit more, and maybe we would have produced more goals from them. And uh, I think he would have obviously scored some goals. And I think his smartness with the game would have worked well with Pedro. And then when Moro came in as well, I think they would have been opened up up top and created a lot of chances that Kenny would have finished Bing. five points yeah I decided to do pings I was trying to like squeeze an orange but oh, the noise was. wasn't really working Zach your question to you yeah I have to agree with Slamo it's definitely Kenny Miller uh, we are we're missing goal scoring and Bing. we knew that we were going to need uh, lots of lots of help in goal scoring this year and yet we couldn't make things work to keep Kenny here so Kenny Bing. the things that he brought for us was he brought an actual aerial threat up front Kenny can score with his head has scored with his head for us Bing. New York away um uh, he brought this desire to win. Like you read that interview when he left about you know the desire that needs to be there. He was a great mentor for the young players uh, as well. Bing. And that's it, apparently. And another six for Zach. You can finish your point. We'll give you a couple seconds to finish your point. Is that how it works? So yeah, he's making it up as he goes along. It's like the MLS. MLS here. Yeah. <laughs> Jay, question to you. Talking about addition by subscription subtraction uh when demerit left and kendall Waston came in in his place i mean it it was so much better it was so much better with kendall in there so we we actually got better when jay demerit left as opposed to when kenny miller left the only reason we were still getting results was an unreal and unrealistic hot streak by our young uh younger forwards and if it wasn't for if if miller was able to stay throughout the whole year he would have been able to not just score those goals that, that Pedro sets up, but also hold the ball and create a lot more offense out of that. Bing. And five for Jay there. So at the end of that round, Jay and Zach are tied in 12. I'm so excited. Everybody in the league before. Nine. Okay, third question. Say Morrow results. Yes. Zach, <coughs> you will be starting. Now, obviously, we know that the Whitecaps finished in fifth place. 
could have finished higher. But there were a few disappointing results in the season. What is your most disappointing result? Was it the 0-0 draw with Montreal after the World Cup break? Was it the 2-1 loss at home to Colorado? Or was it the loss to Chivas at USA? The now defunct Chivas USA. Or you could pick another. Or yeah, if you, there's another one you have, but which was the one that you felt was most disappointing? The 2-1 two, the two Colorado, that's with the Matias handball? Yeah, handball. So. Uh, I'm going to say all of the above. I think they're all they're all terrible. They're all That's terrible. Cheating. So <laughs> disqualified. So, so the Col- the Colorado the Colorado one ruined a uh, a great uh, kind of beginning to the year. It was like this huge letdown. It was a bit ridiculous. Uh, another ridiculous call for uh, there was no foul given and should have been called Montreal during it was just during the World Cup. It was the first I think game we didn't sell out or something. It was just crazy how poorly we paid against a team that was so bad. And then Chivas at home again. Chivas, the goats—they're there to be slaughtered, and we did not slaughter them. They—the the, the problem, the, the thing that this exposed, maybe not Colorado so much, but the things the other games exposed was the fact that we tended sometimes to play down to people's level. <laughs> I'll, I'll give you four for that. Steve doesn't really want to give you any. Because he picked all three. <laughs> There's multiple choice. Well, he's allowed to do that. Is I really? chose D, all of the above. Yeah. And there was no option. You said choose other ones. I, said, I chose choose another other, one. Choose other, not at all. Okay, so, um, so Jay, second, the, that question to you, this morning loss. I, I'm going to agree only in one part of, of your answer, and that's that all three, because... Bing. In a way, it exposed, like you saying, was it exposed the fact. It exposed the fact that the Whitecaps were unable to play against teams who just shut her down, buckled down the hatches, and said, "Come at us." And we're way better at playing against teams who are good and playing football and going back and forth. The only thing I'll, I'll add to this is, of all those terrible uh, games that we had, the Montreal loss was the worst. They should, the, sorry, the Montreal nil-nil draw should, was the worst. They came off of a break where against the worst team in the league. They were well-rested. They were at home. That should have been an absolute uh, uh, drubbing. Bing. I'll give you five there. So you're in the lead now with 17. So Slavo, if you can get eight points here, you're going to get... And you'll get two bonus points if you actually pick one team. (laughs) I did pick one in the end. (laughs) Go ahead, Slavo. Well, I'm going to pick the Montreal one for sure because uh, not only did we lose that or draw that, but Montreal was the only team that actually produced a chance in that game, if I recall correctly. So we were... we really laid an eight there. It was after the June. We had the two week break. We were should have been ready to roll fresh. We had lost nothing for the World Cup other than Beta Shore. So I mean, we had all the, all the potential there to put our our um, our stock into uh, moving forward in victory and produce. I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> That's good. I'm getting into the playoffs with uh, you know. We were in that mid part of the season was what I, I know it's too late now. They were we were in the mid part the of the break, season. Right? We were hot and that would have started yeah. us off into the second half. Was that the mid part of the season? Had we, June, won, had we, we just won had the, the Voyager's Cup? Then we might have just been on a high and not yeah. had a good season slump. Or they would have been really tired. They would have lost a bunch no, of No, because we had a two-week break. No yeah. one was tired. Well, that, that's the end of this first segment of this. Um, we'll continue first in... In the next podcast, we'll have part two of this. I thought I won. How much does time will get? In the lead just now is Jay with 17 points. You're going to find a way for me to lose. Coming up, Jay's rear is Zach with 16. And close behind Zach's rear is Slamo with 15. 
a fun sized Mars bar <laughs> between you. So that was skewer all three. Oh, shit. <laughs> So that was 30 Seconds to Mars. So just before we wrap this episode of the podcast up, we're going to have two interactive sections that we've thrown open to Twitter. So the first one is we asked fans and readers and listeners if you could pick one song that was going to sum up the Whitecaps season, what would it be? So I'll give you guys a little bit of time to think. I'll, I'll read some of the responses that we've had. Matthew DeCap at Elicent X, he said, Summer Slowdown, which I don't even know if that is a song or not. Because the season started fine and cooled off for a couple of months, but sizzled at the end. Christina at Mudcree, she said to Whitecaps, it's more like watching an opera. You've got the highs, lows, the falsetta, the eunuch. Not quite sure which player is the eunuch. Certainly Uh, not Terry Dunfield. No, certainly not. At the end, you've got the rapture. What a happy ending. But that was maybe that massage I had in Korea time. Russell Beresford at Squad Player, he said, Waiting for the Great Leap Forward, which is a Billy Bragg song. It was also the name of a Motherwell fanzine in the 80s and 90s, just for all you fanzine lovers out there. So that's me. Fanzine fans? Fanzine fans. Uh, he said, Waiting for the Great Leap Forward, because they failed to become mainstream in Vancouver, Vancouver sports, by missing out on a home playoff game. Surrey Jack who I always think sounds like a serial killer. I don't know if, if that is like a name of a serial killer, but that's at Mrs. Surrey Jack, so he, he has a wife. Um, he or she said, still haven't found what I'm looking for, but you too. At Van Can Toon Fan, VCTF for short, he says, Grinding Halt by The Cure. Jay Mayada, at Cascadian Lion, he says, Tub Thumping by Chumbawamba. I get knocked down I oh get, very very good uh, AFTN writer Aaron Campbell at AA Camp 81 he said on the right track by Pippin I think he's just trying to show that he's down with the kids there but not too sure um, DJMK at home at DJ, DJMK76 said wish you were here by Pink Floyd and that is for you know that player that shall not be named that uh, is no longer here but could score goals I don't think he means Omar Salgar. Long can, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it could be Kenny Miller. Yeah. Uh, Shoe Thief at Stuck on the Sofa, he said Brand New Cadillac by The Clash, and that was also for Camilo. Mark Daly at uh, Mark J. Daly, who I believe does some of the kind of podcast, he said uh, some of the violent lyrics from Big Mouth Strikes Again by The Smiths summed up how he felt about the penalty award last week. And the last one from our listeners, at Glass City FC, said, until they fix the striker situation, they are damaged goods by the gang of four. Which could maybe be the committee. Who knows? Um, my choice, um, I'll come back to. So, Steve, what, you, you set this question, so what's your, your song for this season? I think uh, the song I picked was Perfect Day by Lou Reed. Uh, because it was an enjoyable season. 
But sometimes you didn't need that hit of heroin to watch the team. <laughs> I chose uh, an old Michael Jackson favorite, Smooth Criminal, because it was absolutely criminal the way that the, the season ended. Um, we won't go into it any more than that, but uh, even though I'm biased, it was incorrect. Slamo. I'm going to go with Plateau by uh, Nirvana, and the reason being the words of the song are uh, the history, reaching a plateau, you know, working hard, enjoying the work while you're there, and then achieving, uh, looking for a new plateau. And also because it has the lyrics, nothing on top but a bucket and mop, which I thought was kind of fitting as well. I'll say uh, Settle for Nothing by Raging S Machine, because if you don't take action now, you'll settle for nothing later. You settle for nothing now, and you'll settle for nothing later. Very good choices here. I'm, I'm going to go with Happy Days by The Shaman, because I, I think overall for the course of the season, it, it was pretty much Happy Days. And looking into next year, I think, I think there's going to be a lot of happy endings. And just the last little thing just before we wrap this episode up. We're going to talk about this now, because this is going to come out before the second leg of the playoff semi-finals. So I just want to get you all to tell me who you think, who do you think will win the MLS Cup? Who do you want to win the MLS Cup? And who don't you want to win the MLS Cup? So just quickly around the table, Steve. Uh, Don't is easy at Seattle. Who I think will win the MLS Cup is tough, but I'll say uh, RSL. And who I'd want to win the MLS Cup is RSL because that would make my preseason prediction correct. Zach. Uh, I'm surprised you guys don't want Seattle and you guys have a lot of Seattle love. Um, uh, who I don't want to win? Yeah, it definitely would be Seattle. Uh, who I want to win? Uh, yeah, I don't really want any of them to win. Um, I guess maybe... Uh, no? Hang on. No? Yeah, maybe RSL. Little, small, provincial team there. Sure, let's say RSL. Even after the... the- Little niggles between the two teams this year. There's been niggles between every team. Yeah, yeah, we're a very niggly team. Yeah, yeah. Plus, it'll, yeah. no one likes us. We don't care. Gee, I don't want Seattle. Obviously, also that would be my one A. I think everybody one B. I'm going to say oh, the LA, LA Galaxy, Galaxy. just because I like. I'm just sick of them. I'm sick of them winning. I'm sick of them being good, which I suppose for them is good. I mean, I hope that Whitecaps are there one time and everybody hates us because we keep winning everything. But I, yeah. I just, I, I hate LA. Well, the thing is, Landy Cakes can yeah. walk I, uh, off into the sunset. Yeah, yeah. I, I do so not want that to happen. Of made, it's made for that to happen, isn't it? Uh, it's so, so I, I hope that, however, I do think they're going to win. I think LA will win. Uh, I just think they have, they have too much talent up front. They're, 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 Good defensively, Seattle's a little bit weak there. I think that's where that's gonna to come out in the end. Uh, who I want to win? I, I'm a little bit with with Zach. I don't really, I don't really want anybody to win. Uh, if I if you if you made me pick, I don't know, DC United. I, I hate I hate Eddie Johnson, so that's that's really hard to. And pick a former White will win it. A residency player. But you know what they you know they they used to be a really great club they're kind of on hard times they I'd like them to get a new stadium and be a relevant club again so I, I don't know maybe winning the MLS Cup w- would help them they've done a lot r- over the year I'm all right with that and they have quality supporters and they finally recovered from to- when Tommy Sowen was mm-hmm. running the team Salamo. 
Uh, well, obviously Seattle uh, to not win. And then uh, New England and New England are my other two choices so that Tommy Soane can get his... No, I'm just kidding. Because so, uh, <laughs> honestly, I'm a big fan of Lee Nguyen I was, from the time that uh, he decided to come to MLS and the way he went about it. And, and his know, cup of tea with us. Yeah, and yeah, he and was a like, class guy while he was here other than the one uh, tweet. Quick aside, my favourite tweet for Lee is still that one where he tweeted out that he couldn't find the, the television. TV, there was no, t- yeah. no TV in his room. And it's like, have you tried? Maybe well, that's, to me, that's the thing that... So when maybe you talk he, about maybe he got guy, waved because of that So he's tweet. coming from a different culture, right? He doesn't even know where the freaking TV... Because I wrote that too at a certain point. Yeah. It's like, so anyway, yeah. my, my answer says, obviously I, I don't want Seattle to win or Dallas because... In, in some ways, it would be nice if Dallas went far because we could say we got beat by the team that went far. Oh. But they're just so unlikable. And Seattle, we'd just never hear the end of it. Um, I think LA will win it. I just think their class will come through. And I would like to see RSL. I kind of would like to see DC. But I feel that it has to be a Western team. Otherwise, folk will be like, hey, look, the Eastern Conference is really strong. But... Let's just hear quickly what Kyle Robinson had to say when he was asked these three exact questions. Who wins the MLS Cup this year? Who do I want to win it or who do I think will win it? Both, get both answers. Okay. I believe Los Angeles Galaxy will win it. Who would you like to win? (laughs) Do you know what? I'd like New York Red Bulls to win it this year. And who don't you want to win it? (laughs) No comment, Michael. There you go. Okay. (laughs) So that was Robbo's thoughts there. Nice little ending to the show and the interview that we had with Robbo on Monday. Just some quick thoughts from our listeners. At Elison X doesn't want Dallas, the Sounders or LA Galaxy. Um, so he kind of guesses that RSL. But he thinks DC United will win it. Greg Petrie at Our Dumb World. He wants Salt Lake to win because they build the club the right way. He doesn't want Seattle because he just wants to see what they'll do if they don't win again. Aaron Campbell thinks DC United wants LA Galaxy, doesn't want Seattle. And Jay Mayadi, he says anyone, any anyone except Seattle. So we're down at Aces, which I just learned the other day, the C actually stands for club. And on that note, <laughs> that's all for this episode of the podcast. So just quickly go around the table, tell everyone who you are and where they can find you online. Steve Pander, you can find me on Twitter at WhitecapsBeat. Zachary Adam Eisenheimer, Zachary AM on Twitter, and the movement is at Curva Collective. I'm Jay Duke, and the uh, at J-A-Y underscore Duke on Twitter, and occasionally writing for AFTN. Um, Slamo at Slamo with three S's. I'm Michael McCall. You can find me on Twitter at AFTN Canada. You can read all our stuff, AFTN on Canadian Soccer News, AFTN.ca, CanadianSoccerNews.com. I'm also the beat reporter for the Whitecaps for MLSSoccer.com. So until next time, thanks for listening, take care, come on anyone apart from Dallas and Seattle, and mom the caps. When you're listening in some far-flung corner of the globe to the world service of a Saturday afternoon, freckly reception, interference, cosy, marvellous. Somehow comforting, isn't it, you know, legendary names, fathers and sons on the terraces, cheesy peas at half-time, pipe for dad. Mum's at home making the tea. Oh, everything's all right with the world, isn't it? Saturday afternoon is football. Hmm?
Yeah, but-